Hello and welcome to Voices of Blue Scope, the podcast where we meet the people who work behind the scenes at Blue Scope to create strength every day. I'm your host, Martin Feld. Thank you for listening. Blue Scope acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which we work, live and operate. We recognise our First Nations peoples who have inhabited Australia for millennia, their enduring connection to country, sky and waterways, and their rich and vital cultures. We acknowledge the many different nations across this ancient continent, from rural and remote communities to our cities and suburban streets. We honour and pay respect to ancestors, elders and their descendants as the custodians of this country. It is through the ancestral knowledges and stories of local peoples that we can more fully know and understand country and the unique ways in which country connects us all. Today we are revisiting a guest who featured in episode 12 of the podcast. That person is Letitia Holmes, who worked with Blue Scope as an intern with Career Trackers, an Australian non-profit organisation that supports Indigenous young adults to attend and graduate from university. Since that first conversation and the completion of her internship, Letitia has joined Blue Scope as a full-time laboratory technician. We took the opportunity to interview her again, asking her to expand on her professional journey and share insights into her Indigenous identity and heritage. Let's cross to the interview now, which we recorded at the Innovation Labs in Port Kembla, Australia. Thank you so much for joining Voices of Blue Scope again, Letitia. It's great to see you. Thank you, Martin. Now, the last time that we spoke, you were an intern based here at Blue Scope, but working through Career Trackers, which is uh, an Indigenous internship program. Uh, can you tell us about that experience of going from being an intern with Career Trackers at Blue Scope to joining the company as an employee? Yes. Well, when I first came to Blue Scope, I actually started in this particular area, which is the iLabs building, where we do research and development for the company. Initially, I came here for my first internship. Then I went to the MCL, which is the metal coating line, and did some work on my second internship there. And now I'm back where I started from. So the project I'm working on at the moment has been drawing on a lot of my experiences from those internships, both of those internships. So I've been able to pull that information together and it's fed directly into the work that I'm doing now. Fantastic and well done on kicking off that new role here. <laughs> what is your uh, title here at Blue Scope now? What, what um, sort of department uh, are you working within? I'm a laboratory technician and I'm working in developing a special products that will be released onto the worldwide market. Now I'd like to, with that context, now go back even further and get an insight into maybe your personal and professional story leading up to this point. Can you share a bit more about yourself and where your interest in this career and this discipline started? Take us to the beginning. Oh, that's a long way back. <laughs> uh, well, I'm a Durrambol woman from the area near Yapoon in Queensland. I did not grow up on country and I have had a, a bit of a dissection in my uh, historical background in terms of learning about my background. I've, I've come back to that as a result of a few family situations that have happened 
my mother was in a large family of eight children and there were a lot of a lot of things that she wanted to take to the grave with her and as it turned out she was the last of her seven siblings to pass away and in the very last years of her life she started to divulge a lot of information that she really didn't want to talk about in previous years so I think in a way if she wasn't the last person to pass away in in her within her siblings group that she probably wouldn't have divulged any of the stories and they came out bit at a time so it took a bit of piecing together there were a, a few stories one one of which was that she didn't really have much education she was not allowed to go to school and it was not talked about why she wasn't allowed to go to school and that this went on for quite some years so eventually it came out that her father was rounded up and sent off to a leper colony in Queensland called Peel Island and that's where they sent a lot of people that were either Aboriginal or had an association with an Aboriginal person he was married to one so he was sent off to the leper colony and all the, his children were isolated, something like what lockdown is now, but they were isolated for years and weren't allowed to go to school, which meant that she wasn't able to get a formal education. That was one of the, one of the factors that really wanted me to push towards getting a, a formal education, a tertiary education, and, and she's my inspiration for that. Thank you for sharing that. What were you undertaking at university? I was in an engineering degree in medical and radiation physics. One of the things that is interesting about that particular field is there doesn't seem to be a natural crossover to anything that we're doing here at Blue Scope. However, there are a couple of doctors here that that is their field of study and they were able to place me into engineering roles where I'm utilising a lot of the skills that cross over. It's not a natural choice. Uh, most people go into mechanical engineering or uh, chemical engineering, materials engineering. Those are the, probably the main three engineering departments that would be uh, utilised here at the innovation labs. So I was a bit of a fish out of water, but it was, I, I still had the ability to cross over into, into those fields. And your specific field, can you give some more specific information about uh, what you learnt or what was entailed uh, in your degree? People who might be thinking, oh, okay, well, I'm undertaking this or I might be interested in undertaking that and entering a field where they are a bit of a fish out of water, like you said. There were a lot of things that didn't come naturally to me. My father had an engineering background. He was an aircraft engineer during the war um, and an electrical engineer. So I grew up with that type of background, but a lot of things didn't necessarily come naturally to me, maybe in terms of the mathematics side rather than the science side. I think that if it's something that you have an interest in, try and pursue it because along the way you'll get a lot of support uh, through the university, I got support through a program called ITAP, I-T-A-P, which is a tuition program uh, with whatever subject you're doing, they find you a tutor that will 
help you along with the coursework and uh, give you more of a one-on-one. -on -one. That, that was uh, a big assistance to me in the subjects that I was maybe not so strong in. And this was at the University of Wollongong here locally? That's right, but every university in Australia has an Indigenous centre that will provide support in that way. And when it comes to your Indigenous uh, background and heritage and the culture that you practise, how do you feel that guides you or uh, helps in your day-to-day -day working life? Um, because I remember the last time that we spoke, you were talking about how certain stories from the dreaming uh, essentially empowered you to think differently. Yes, that's right, because I think Indigenous people have a way of thinking about things that is not necessarily a straightforward way from A to B. And I think the benefit of that is that when it comes to problem solving, you have an extra set of eyes that are looking at, at the problem from a different lens. And although it might not be your initial thought process to think along these lines, I think being open to looking at different ideas, different solutions, different approaches to things, it's a bit like brainstorming or doing a, a mud map uh, you, you've got to accept all the ideas as a start and then from there it can snowball and you can start to develop uh, frameworks for your solutions. And you uh, also explained that you come from Queensland. Now, naturally, um, there are many different uh, First Nations around Australia, lots of different histories and, and cultures and stories. Since coming to the Illawarra and pursuing your career here, are there things that you've learned locally in the area about um, different ways of life and different First Nations cultures that are different from where you came in Queensland? Yes, that's right. They're, in particular for me, the one that has the most effect almost daily is the weather pattern because where I come from, it's more of a subtropical area whereas here there's a completely different weather pattern. And so we live here in Dharawal country. They have six different seasons during the year. And a lot of them you can start to notice by constellations in the sky changing and uh, looking into nature, different, different flowers that blossom or the way animals behave and things like that. Yes, you're right in saying that there are different um, cultural identifications in nature, in the sky, and also with language too. I, I'm trying to learn a couple of the local Indigenous languages, Dharawal language and Rajari language, which is a bit more west of here. And uh, where you uh, originate in Queensland, what's, can you tell us a bit about the uh, language and cultural group where you come from? Yes, that's right. I didn't grow up on country. Uh, my family were displaced and moved out of the area, shifted out of the area. The area where my heritage comes from is Durrambol, which is the Yapoon area of Queensland. It's about uh, in central Queensland. And uh, what are some of the, I suppose, the, the main or most influential stories from that area or things that um, are important to you? There was a, a, a big massacre that happened there. I think it's really important to remember that things can happen quickly uh, with people's thought processes and we should always be aware that none of these things ever repeat. And that's not only with First Nations people, but all cultures. We should be highly aware that small uh, 
small thought processes can can snowball and become a big thought process through a group of people. So we should be aware that we don't take on those ideas and remember that we need to be a group, a mob together. That's a great piece of uh, guidance or advice generally to learn from the mistakes of the past. And thinking about advice, um, for any people who may have a First Nations background, uh, identify as Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander, and are thinking about undertaking uh, a discipline or entering mm. engineering as you have, what would be the general advice that you'd give to people who are thinking about taking that first step? I think that what happens with a lot of Indigenous people is they don't necessarily finish high school. And this is where they may think, oh, that's it for me. I don't have that opportunity anymore. But there are alternate pathways that people can take into university and TAFE. For example, if someone's only gone to grade 10 or maybe they haven't gone to grade 10, they've gone to grade 9, even younger than that, they should remember that there is a way to get around it. It's not necessarily the A to B pathway that a lot of people would take when they graduate high school, but there are bridging programs that can enable you to do that. And the main thing is just to start researching what it is they can do. And don't be scared to ask questions and, and say to people, well, how did, you, how did you get into uni? Or how did you get into that field? And just start asking people how they did it. And then you'll start to see that it's never really as straightforward as people think. Yeah, it's not always a direct path. You're absolutely right. And I recall when we were just chatting briefly uh, before we sat down for this interview, you mentioned that you used to work in photography. That's right? Yes, that's right. So that's quite a big shift. Um, you know, a previous job in photography elsewhere. Um, what do you think are some of the things that you've brought from your diverse career path into Blue Scope, different ways of thinking? And, and on top of that, what are some of the things that you think you've learned in working here? Yes, that's a really big uh, factor that was what it was one of the deciding factors when I came into Blue Scope even as an intern the fact that I had a background in photography was straight down the the path of what they were looking at for artificial intelligence and digital imaging and that type of imaging pathway data analysis through imaging so even though people have they might have a completely different background from what they did before university. There's always a way that you can incorporate skills, maybe not necessarily technical skills, but life skills into the job that you're doing. Often employers will look for those intrinsic skills in other areas. You may not even know down, further down the track that, you know, oh, this might be useful or that might be useful, but it's funny how when you can look at it in retrospect and say, oh, well, that was a deciding factor. The fact that I had a background in photography and imaging was a deciding factor in me getting an internship with this company. That's really interesting that photography led you through to digital imaging. And when you talk about digital imaging, uh, I understand maybe you can't share all the specifics of projects that you're doing, but can you tell us about some of the different equipment or maybe digital imaging ideas or tools that you have to interact with? Yes, there's a lot of uh, imaging equipment within the company that requires computer programs that I didn't know anything about prior because the computer programs are specific to the equipment used in the process that they're looking at. 
So that was a bit of a, a big learning curve, especially in predictive modeling. It's something that I didn't cover at university and wasn't a part of my course, but it's something that you can learn on the job and people shouldn't discount that too. Things that you can learn on the job. Personally, for me, I find it much easier to learn it in a practical situation than at university. And I would prefer to learn a lot of those things on the job. I think uh, that was probably the main one. So theory and practice going hand in hand. Yes, yes. Now, is there anything that I haven't asked you about in your personal story or career background that you'd like to mention in this interview? Something that's gone untapped? I think people have a tendency to doubt themselves in situations. I think it's um, something that we should look at ourselves and think, well, not why me, but why not me? Why can't I do that? Not, well, why should I do that? Why can't I do that? Of course I can do it. And then just keep that determination up. And as long as you have motivation and potential for, for doing a role, just pursue it, persist with it. And, you know, it's not all going to flow nicely, but it's something that if you're persistent, that you'll get there eventually. Keep your eyes open. <laughs> Keep your eyes and ears open. I think that's fantastic yeah. advice to end on. So uh, thank you so much for joining us, Letitia. It was great to chat again. Yeah, thank you, Martin. That brings this episode to a close. We thank Letitia for her time and for sharing her personal story on the podcast. Make sure to visit the links and show notes in your browser or podcast app for further content, including a TV Bluescope video on YouTube. It features excerpts of the interview that you've just heard, along with relevant footage of Bluescope's sites and processes and thoughts from Letitia's manager, Detlev Muller. For other news and updates, go to bluescope.com visit Bluescope on LinkedIn, or follow at Bluescope on Twitter. Thank you for listening to the Voices of Bluescope podcast. We hope that you'll join us again soon.